Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Efraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom, and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today, I have the great and distinguished honor of interviewing Josh Tovar, who is the principal at Garland Independent School District in Texas and a co-host of the Unlock the Middle podcast. Josh Tovar, who are you? Good morning, Efraín. Thank you for having me here. Josh Tovar is the proud son of Virginia and Jesus Tovar. We are proud immigrants to this beautiful country from Chihuahua, Mexico, and I'm a proud educator who has had the honor. The Lord has placed in front of me from elementary all the way to college level. He has been allowed, he has allowed me to touch all these different communities from a very high-function elementary to teaching at the college-level future administrators to a high school level being in charge of freshmen to leading a, a high school that was a D-minus in Texas and in three years it turned around to a B-minus thanks to a great, striving faculty and staff that all came together to a vision. I am a proud educator who's in the best profession, the profession out of all the other professions, the one that creates all the other professions. I'm a proud educator here to make sure that we're all growing closer together because that's what we're in. We are in the product of uniting kids, making them the best version of themselves so that when they graduate, they walk across that stage, they're ready for chapter two, chapter two in their life, which are productive citizens and they follow their dreams. I am Josh Tovar. Like, that's it, man. What, what I, I know this is going to be a great show. Let me ask you. Where does that enthusiasm comes from? And were you always this enthusiastic? Let me tell you, when we, when you and I prayed, when we were going to our schools our, to get our masters, we prayed, we prayed. Oh, is this worth it? I'm spending all this money. I'm reading all these books by Sir Giovanni. Sir Giovanni, Sir Giovanni. I'm doing all this. I'm, I'm staying late at night. I'm teaching still. I'm getting my master's. And then I got interviewed. I got interviewed and I go, oh, please let me go to the second round. Please let me go to the second round. Let the superintendent call me to become a, uh, an assistant principal. And then I did that again. Oh, Lord, please call me to be a principal. Please, please, please let me lead people. Let me lead people. Let me lead either 300 or 2,500. I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader. Lord, I will provide your vision. You have no other choice because you prayed for all that. You have to be on fire like Principal Cafela says. You have to be the role model. Either your school is 200 kids or 3,000 kids. You need to be the one on fire 24-7, either at school, in the cafeteria, at bus duty, at the football game, at your leading practice, wherever you are. You have to be on fire because how can you demand that of your staff with your kids? How can you demand that with your kids when you say, have school pride? I want to see our colors at Burger King. I want to see you act like you are an eagle. You are a pioneer. You're at whatever school and you're showing the pride. How can you, if you're just sitting behind your desk, growing a desk from right here? Ain't no fire there, baby. You ain't inspiring anybody. And all historical figures are out there. As I said earlier in a video uh, that I have on one of my Twitter channels, the shepherd must always smell like a sheep. You need to always be embedded with everything that is your campus, whether it be choir practice, whether it be flags, whether it be the Crayola Club. I don't know what you got, 
you need to be there and they need to see you there because you prayed for that. Remember, Thaline? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you absolutely. Stayed away, you stayed away till two in the morning writing your papers. Mm -hmm. Then you had to go teach. Then you had to get home real quick and read seven chapters of Ser Giovanni and you fell asleep every time. You know that. But ultimately, when you sit in the chair, the chair, that's why I call it the chair, everyone, everyone is always going to think that they know better than you. Everyone is going to think that they can make better decisions than you. And you know what? Don't care about that. You just need to role model and say, I am the proud principal of, insert your logo, insert your name, because you are the brand. Your picture that people see out there, you're the brand of that school. Not only the brand of that school, but also sub-brand of your ISD, your independent school district. So it's always crucial that you're on fire. Wow. The quote, the shepherd must uh, smell like a sheep. Wow. How profound is that? Thank you for sharing that. That's for sure a tweet that is coming soon with your name in the bottom. So, uh, Josh, uh, can you walk us through your professional trajectory up to this point? I've, I've been honored with three decades. I'm an old man, brother. I'm very old. Three decades, bro. Three decades. I started in the early 90s as a history teacher. Then I've evolved. I've been around 12 or 13 uh, schools. Like I said earlier, uh, I started, my, my, my heart started mainly for 10 years in middle school, history teacher, coached. If you're a middle school guy, you know you're always coaching something. You might not have ever played girls softball, but you're coaching it because there are no coaches out there. There were no coaches before the pandemic. There's less coaches after the pandemic. So when you're in middle school, I had the honor and be blessed to have coached every single last sport, UIL activity. That means kind of like the academic version of that um, at the campus level. Then one day, and we'll get, I understand we're going to be talking about this later, but one young lady always pushed me. Her name is Millie Williams, and I'll talk about her later. She motivated me to become an administrator. She did everything to help me. And from there, then on, I've been an administrator at all levels, elementary middle school and high school and right now i have a combo uh, you know i was allowed to come and provide a support for a combo school of kids that are emerging bilingual it changes guys it's either emerging bilingual el uh newcomer i don't they keep on changing our names if i i don't know what you're called today but i'm called an emerging bilingual today right? they keep on changing our, our titles can you leave me with one title i, I, mean, I still call myself left i don't know but anyways And it also deals with kids that are at risk. So my trajectory has always been someone that supports different grade levels. Um, I've had the honor of teaching history because that's one of my masters. Is to, I love history. And I think that I'm a better teacher than I am an administrator. And that's mm -hmm. what I taught at the University of Phoenix, at Park University and Apostle Community College. And also uh, at University of Phoenix Future Administrators. So the Lord has blessed me with different avenues to be able to provide a message And you know what? I think I've been very successful at all levels. Wow. What a trajectory. Let me ask you, why did you become a teacher at some point? The, uh, the podcast doesn't last that long, brother. So I'm going to give, <laughs> give you the cliff notes, the one that I use for Sir Giovanni's book, right? The tell very me, short books. Um, in, in a nutshell, mm, my mom encouraged me to have a pathway. Ephraim, I was a loser. I was a, a horrible drunk in high school. I was a kid that always ditched. I was your rock in the shoe. I never went to school. 
Um, I'm not proud of that, but I need to make sure that people know my story. People know that kids that were always drunks in high school, kids that always were involved around illegal substances, we do end up okay. You cannot judge us. You cannot call us losers will never do anything like I was. You're never going to accomplish anything in life. I did have that pathway. I did have that trajectory. But remember, there's tons of us out there that click later on. It clicks on us later on because we have emotional situations that we need to overcome. As a Gen Xer, you kind of hold stuff in as compared to millennials nowadays or Gen Z. But the thing that I can present to you is that my mom, when she brought us to the United States, would leave us a lot of times in the El Paso Public Library. And I, would, I was attracted to reading Conquistador biographies by Ronald Sim. So when I would read this historical, I would get hooked. I would get hooked in on those stories. And I found an awe on the battle of, per se, you know, the Aztecas against the conquistadores and how a mass empire of 2,000, 3,000 warriors could fall at the hands of a handful of, of um, conquerors. And so those, that kind of stuff, then I started reading everybody else. So my mom, when I went into the University of Texas at El Paso, she said, you know what, you might want to become a, a, a teacher because you're, you like history so much and you, you know how to convey the message. Another thing that clicked on me was when I was in high school, whenever I would go, uh, my early years, my sophomore, my sophomore, my freshman and sophomore year, I was in ROTC. And when I was in ROTC, <clears throat> uh, Army ROTC, because that's what we had in El Paso, because of Fort Bliss, the base there, um, I would show the other cadets how to march because I think I have a, one, of the, one of the talents that I have that the Lord gave me is make a complex thing simple. Talking mm. simple uh, to me, just keep it simple. Don't don't use fancy words, please. Don't use fancy words. <laughs> and so and so and the other guys, trust me, the guys in ROTC, we're not, we weren't that smart. All right, I'm not going to talk about all the ROTC, but us at that class, we were pretty dumb. And um and I was able to convey that to them on how to do a flank, how to how to do all these marching steps. And they would say, "Hey, Thawad, that's good, bro. I understand how you teach it. I didn't understand how the lieutenant taught it." So all those comments, all comments in life stay, guys. You know that. All yeah, comments, sure. even the most obscure one, stays in your head. And so I got into there. I started UTEP, finished it off. Then I started taking the upper-level um, history classes. And, hey, there we go. Okay, I got it. I could teach this. Oh, I could bring this. You know, and you start having those concepts in your brain of how to deliver your instruction. And then I became an, a, a, a substitute teacher. The best a educator, the best thing you could do ever is be a substitute teacher first. Mm. That's the best thing out there. Educator, if you are a freshman in college, go become a sub. That way you learn. One day you're in elementary, one day you're in middle school, one day you're in alternative school, and you know, really, you taste. You're at Golden Corral. Ah, this. Ah, this. Uh, oh, I'm never going to have that. I ain't never <laughs> eating broccoli again. I ain't never going to go to kindergarten. So you learn that. Plus, you learn what great teaching is. If you're a substitute before, you've always dabbled in. You walk into classrooms and you're like, wow, this teacher is amazing. And then you walk into the next teacher, you're like, ah, these poor kids. So it's one of those situations that it really helped out to cement my thought process of becoming an educator. And uh, it was validated when I was doing uh, my student teaching 
uh, in the northeast of El Paso, which is the only multicultural area in El Paso. Um, El Paso is all Mexicans. It's all of it is, all right? But there's like a little enclave. Mm-hmm. It's a little enclave that are the, the army soldiers for Fort Bliss. They're all housed next to the base, and that's the northeast. And there's where we have African-American, Asians, the, uh, of, of the community. And so there I got my feed wet. And at that moment, I realized that you're, you are, yes, you are able to deliver instruction and connect with kids. And you just fine tune your craft. Your craft is never done, if I, and you know that. As a classroom a facilitator, as an assistant principal, as a principal, you're never, ever done changing the way you do things. You use the same tools, but you have to rearrange the angle because the kid that we had as a Sony Walkman is totally different than the kid that we have as a drop, as a download song. Yeah. So when we go from the 80s to downloading one individual songs, we don't have the beautiful album covers of a of a, of a record mm-hmm. to a download on an Apple computer like the one that I have right now. We as educators need to evolve to who our customers are. So that's how I got into it. My mom guided me. Then I tasted the different areas. And you know what? It went with my spirit. Love it. And same question. Um, what got you to be uh, an administrator? Millie Williams. I never saw myself. I saw myself as my mom, Doc. I saw myself, my mom, 31 years a biology teacher at Thomas Jefferson High School in El Paso. All the high schools, the majority of them are on the border. So let, let me give you a 915 El Paso. A yeah. lot of high schools are right, literally, we are on the river, the Rio Grande. So all these high schools have around 300 to 500 kids that live in Mexico and come over the border every single last day, mm-hmm. every day. We are literally, and I'm, I'm being seen, even though smallest pre-K kid, you throw a rock, that's the other country. That's how close we are. I was the, uh, I, ha- I had the honor of being the principal at Socorro High School. I had at least 500 kids from Juarez, and we would have a caravan of taxis, Mexican taxis, drop off kids. Drop off kids every morning. They would come in loads. SUVs, 10, 9 kids. Drop them off here at Socorro, wow. at Jefferson, at Bowie. So we're used to making sure that we all, in El Paso, that the educators are the best because they're used to teaching poor minority kids and making mm-hmm. them excel. And so um, Millie Williams, I always saw myself as my mom, who always taught at Thomas Jefferson, which was that type of a student. And when I transferred over from Valley View to Parkland Middle, I left because I was not happy with uh, the principal. He hired me. I love him. He gave me the job, and I will never disrespect him. You always have to honor the people that helped you. If anyone takes anything away, if someone gave you a job as a substitute, someone gave you a job as an aide, someone gave you a job as a teacher, honor that person because they believed in you, that you were going to be in the, you were going to bring the best to their vision. I just didn't feel comfortable with being there anymore, so I, I left. And I advise, I'm leaving. I'm going to go somewhere else. I didn't, I didn't know about the Northeast. That's where all the minorities are, all the African-American. So I will, I'll go, I'm just, I'm leaving. And I know that I bring enough to the table to um, be successful. And there, the Lord placed in front of me, Millie Williams. Mm-hmm. Strong African-American woman. Woo! Strong. That, that woman, woo! 
She would wear like gold tennis shoes with a beautiful bow. She would be up and down. You stop doing that. You keep your hands to yourself. You get off the rock. Oh, I loved her. You, you, <laughs> I loved her. But she went to the best university in Texas, Sol Ross State University. And she earned her master's from there. And she started bringing me catalogs. This is what you call investing in your people. And she goes, Coach, you need to become an administrator. Nunca. That was never in my thought process. Never. And, I, and I'm like, yes, ma'am. You know, as a former, you know, as a Marine. Yes, ma'am. What is she thinking? I'm an administrator. I never thought about that. And then the next semester, she brought me another catalog. Did you enroll already? Didn't ask you to enroll already? And then at the end of the, the spring semester, she had another catalog for summer. Coach, you better go this summer. You better take those classes. So she was on me. She was on me. Boom. I showed up. I go, I don't have no transcripts. I don't have none of that. That university, the best university in Texas, Soros State University. Um, she goes, you just go there. Fill out the forms. You'll, they'll work with you to get out everything in there. They want you there. Sure enough, I showed up, I gave my ID, paid my tuition, ready to go in there. Millie Williams made who I am today. Wow. Wow. Um, sometimes, you know, an angel appears and guides us through that door, but we have to walk through it. Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, Josh. Uh, so let me ask you, like in Back to the Future, if you could go back in time, to any of the positions you have held in the past, what will the judge of today tell the judge of back then? Number one, be calm, bro. Calmate. Look, guys, I've always been the disciplinary on every campus. I'm the bad guy. You know, if you had five assistant principals, they would never want to come to me. When I was in an elementary, callate. I would always make him cry. And I like, they're like, why are you in elementary? Um, in middle school, same thing, you know, just they, 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 I, I'm the disciplinarian. But then that started also as a teacher because when you're a substitute, that's the downside. Look, when you're a substitute, guys, that's why as teachers, don't unless it's an emergency that your kid threw up on you in the morning, leave lesson plans for us. Leave stuff, busy, good busy work, not fill in the black crossword puzzles, not coloring. You're going to kill us as substitutes, and we're not going to want to come back. Be prepared for us, because remember, we probably have never been at that grade level. And so I was, I knew, because I was an idiot, remember in high school? Remember, I was, I was, yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was a dummy. Mm -hmm. And so I knew how I used to treat teachers, and specifically subs. When you see a sub, you're like, substitute, yes! And you know that that's in their brain, a time to make wrong choices and disrespect the teacher. And they might be a strict teacher, but kids are kids. Mm -hmm. So that's why I leave good stuff for us as substitutes. And I was just very stern. No. Oh, no. No. But I knew never to displace my issues on others. What do I mean? You can't have a discipline problem and trouble your neighbor next to you. You cannot have a discipline issue as a substitute teacher, as a teacher, and then throw your problem at the assistant principal in the office because you don't know what they're dealing with. They hired you to do a job. They hired you to take care of those kids for that day. 
So I knew to make sure that I kept everything in control within my area. I think I've only written as a teacher two referrals in my whole life. And that's because the assistant principal needed me to document uh, an event that happened. And so I think kids feared me too much as a teacher. And when kids fear you, they don't learn. Yeah. And when they don't learn, you're leaving your talent in the toilet. So you weren't able to use what the Lord blessed you with because you chose to have a different demeanor. So I regret that I wasn't able to connect with more kids. I wasn't able to because I was so stern, so strict with them that they tuned me off. They mm. turned me off and they didn't want to listen to me because they were in fear of me. And the thing is that most schools that I've been at, I'm the guy that does the Saturday school, did the after school detention, did the lunch detention because they knew that I would keep the kids in check. And so they didn't, the kids had that aura and, you know, you create a reputation. When you walk into a school, each teacher has a rep. When kids see your, the schedule, your reputation talks in that schedule. So when they say schedule, E, you got Mr. Martinez. Yeah, that guy's, that's a cool cat right there. That's a, yeah, he's cool, man. Yeah, you can push his button, but he'll love you. E, bro, you got a lot. Go ask for a schedule change. Go change the schedule. <laughs> you don't want him. Whatever you determine, people will guide you by word of mouth. So don't forget. So rule number number one thing I would tell me is go back and um, be chill with kids. And the number two thing, and I think this is still my problem, Ephraim. My problem is know your politics. I know them now, now that I'm an old, old guy. Know your politics. Because you know what? That's right. And I think that I don't know how things work in Illinois, but I'm telling you, I've been around three districts in two cities, three districts in two cities in Texas. And if you're not on the good side of politics in our field, it's very ugly. They'll demote you from a principal to a teacher. They'll demote you from assistant principal to the coordinator of transportation. They'll demote you from an assistant principal to the guy in charge of HVAC. It's, it's a very bad job. If you don't know your politics. And sometimes you have to play politics. Just because of where you're at. And now you see, Efrain, can you notice that I'm very old? Now that you're over three days, <laughs> you don't care about certain things that you say? Because what I'm saying right now will be very pro- problematic if I just started in as an administrator. Mm. So if I started as an administrator, I wouldn't be saying this. But understand that I've, I've been through wars, Efrain. I've been through, and I, that's the example. I'm going to give you one a quick example. Please. And I'll share this, I'll share this out there. Um, long, very long story short, again, the Cliff Note versions of Sir Giovanni's book. Uh, I was not on the good side of politics. And I got called, and the superintendent had left. And they had left, and they had brought me in. Uh, a, a brand new principal and the previous principal had been moved to an elementary and so he went from high school to elementary he landed at the best elementary in the district not a bad <laughs> job all right uh, but then he told me hey um you're next because of politics mm. so once the superintendent left the uh, area so the area superintendent in charge of facilities 
called me. I knew I was going to get moved, but I thought I was going to get moved to another high school. So she came in and she said, hey, you got two choices. I need an answer right now. Just like that. I mean, just to the point. Uh, you could be the coordinator in charge of transportation or the guy in charge of HVAC. Oh my God. What is HVAC? Uh, the air conditioning. Wow. <laughs> so you, so wow. You go, so you could go from schools, schools, teaching, teaching to something mm -hmm. you've never done in your life. I, I go, I need to think about this. You're, you're just, you're throwing a, a, a lava on my lap and you want me to say, here, give me a band-aid. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, okay, that's fine. You have till noon. You have till lunchtime. You see, doesn't matter what I did. Doesn't matter what I've accomplished. Doesn't matter the things that, that were there before. There, the politics said, get rid of them. And so I chose uh, being the coordinator of transportation, and it was the best job I've had so far. Wow. It was awesome. Working with 300 bus drivers, working with the attendants, working with the mechanics, and the way that they think, wow, I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's no IEP here. There's no 504 paperwork. Hold on, hold on. Let me, and it just rewired my brain. It allowed What did you learn? What did you learn in that position? How to deal with adults. You see, I think if I agree with me or not, don't do it because you're too young. Don't agree with me. The problem in education are not the kids. The problem in education are the adults. Don't agree with me. No. Politics. Don't agree with me. <laughs> Especially in your city, Chicago, that area. Don't agree with me. Okay. So I learned how to make sure that my demeanor was different. My body language was toned down because I was dealing every day with adults and what they bring to the table. And then also it made me a better teacher on teaching them how to have a better heart. Because you see, when you're a bus driver and you control the lives of 45 kids and they're throwing stuff out the window, they're being raucous, they never went and learned about Sir Giovanni. They never read books on seating uh, charts. They never had that. They were CDL drivers that needed to stay home with their families. I'm telling you, they told me this. I go, I was tired of going from Maine to Florida, from Florida to Oregon. I miss my family, so I stayed home to become a bus driver. But then I got these little angels. And so you see, you, you have to coach them on how to deal with kids. So I feel that the Lord placed me there to help that group of adults to be well more toned with their heart when dealing with kids making sure you make that connection with them and making sure that you, that when parents entrust us with their beauties at the bus stop, that they have a comfortable feeling getting on that bus. So that's what taught me a change in demeanor, better leadership, because I had to adjust my leadership from kids all day to only with adults. And it allowed me to teach them at a different level because the way you teach adults is taught. You know this during professional development, Efrain. You better be doing it. During professional development, trying to keep your teachers engaged is harder than trying to teach a class of world geography kids. And so it allowed me to become a better version of myself. And you know what? I didn't let them, I didn't let them see me cry. So whatever the politics were, I didn't. Wow, what a great lesson. Uh, we could do a whole episode on, on politics uh, because it's such a, a, a reality. It's like a, a game. 
so let me ask you, um, reading books is such a luxury. If you will have to give two books to a loved one, one fiction and one nonfiction, which books will those be? Everybody out there, when Doc asked me for this, it's a no-brainer. I've done this at two of the schools that I've been honored to support as book studies for the whole faculty. This is the first one. If you are a little bit loony like I am and have issues, and if you think you have no issues, then you got to read this because you do have issues. We all have issues. <laughs> Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. At the very beginning, it deals with Toltec, wisdom, religion. It's not about religion, guys. It's not. It's four ideas. I'm going to let you read it. This is, look, I'm still a slow reader. I still have problems learning because of my EO status, EB status, LEP status. I don't know. Insert my, my title. Um, I'm still a slow reader, and I was an idiot in high school. I really, look, I got three masters, and I still have problems reading. Whenever they, whenever we're, I'm at faculty meetings or uh, principal meetings, and they give us those little articles to read if I as a group, and they say, oh, we're going to give you um, nine minutes to read this. And all the nerd principals finish it like in three minutes. I'm the idiot still highlighting, writing notes on the side. Okay, we're finished. And then they do the famous, um, one more minute. You know, the, show me how many minutes. I'm like, 10. I ain't done. <laughs> I ain't done, bro. Just because all these guys do it. Dr. Blah, blah, blah. Master blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I'm slow. I'm a slow reader. This should take you one day if you're a slow reader. It's an easy read. Look at a lot of space, not a lot of pictures, but it's an easy read. I'm not going to give you the four agreements. You can look it up. I would be cheating you. But number one that stays to my heart is this. Don't assume things. Administrator, teacher, don't assume things. That's where we get the voices in our head. That's where we create chaos. That's how us as administrators, we create problems because we assume that they're negative. Todd Whitaker says two things in Shifting the Monkey. When someone's doing something wrong, it's either number one, they're ignorant that they're doing it wrong, or number two, they're insubordinate. So you got to find out. They probably just don't know. Do kids look at you in the face nowadays when they're talking? No. Do kids say thank you when you open the door for them? No. Do kids open their hands and shake their hands to you when you're greeting them? No. But a lot of people assume they should already know that. Don't assume. Kids don't know that. It's our job to coach them either as seniors in high school or in pre-K, those basic manners. This will help you so much. And with that cheerleading mom that's angry at the cheerleading coach, that is posting stuff on social media with her daughter. Don't assume things, but they might be right. But don't assume things. Make sure you read this. It will really help you. And the other two books. If I, I didn't read a lot in high school. I was in the middle of a lot of Bud Light, okay? <laughs> <clears throat> well, Budweiser. I was skinny back then. Bud I'm a fat right now. It was regular Budweiser. <clears throat> but the... I think there were only two books that I semi-read, and I went back and read this later. You see how old this book is? Look, 
Mira, 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 mira. Ya, yeah. el viejito. Aldersley, Brave New Brave World. New oh, world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we have right now. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, we have people that are stratified in our society, people that are content in only dealing with their society, with their level. They look down and say, I'm glad I'm not them. They look up, I'm not them. Sexualized society, drug-induced society. This is a very old book. And tell me that's not live in 2023. Amen. And the other one, mm -hmm. for you young guys out there, <clears throat> uh, I, I kind of I'm scared saying this because right now you can't talk about tough guys anymore. Yeah. Cast, Longinius, Rufio. This is a set of books by right here. Uh, there we go. This yeah. is a set of books by Barry Sadler, and what he did is that he took the story of Casca uh, Longinius Rufio. Who is Casca Longinius Rufio? Casca Longinius Rufio is the legionnaire that when the earthquake happened, when Jesus Christ was at the cross, they had to take him down because it started raining, right? And so Casca needed to make sure that he was dead. So his main, the main leader of the legionnaire said, yeah. take him down. Is he alive? So they gave him the spear... To stab him on the side. So it was Casca who did that. So when we see in dumb Hollywood that spurting of the blood or the uh, of the liquids, right? Yeah. It, it spurted on him, on Casca. And Jesus, according now, this is the book, all right? It's historical yeah. fiction. Casca mm -hmm. had the Lord, our Lord and Savior's blood on him, and, and Jesus told him, You are a warrior, you're a legionnaire, you will not die until I come back. So since the time of Jesus' death, he was cursed to live in war. He feels the pain. He's been burned alive by the Persians. He's had his heart ripped out by the Aztecs. He's been in all over the world. It's just historical. It's beautiful history. Wow. He feels all the pain, but he can't ever die. But also, he can't ever feel love because he mm. always looks the same as that day that he pierced our Lord and Savior. Wow. So the, his face is full of scars. He, he, he's all jacked up, right? And people look at him, they're like, whoa, get away from <laughs> you're, 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 you're the devil. And, and he's a, it's a lonely, sad figure because he can never love. He can never have kids. He will outlive them. And he's always destined. He's always placed on a path in his destiny to find war. So whatever it is, like, oh, I'm just going to go by myself. Nope, there's a war there. He's a, so he's, he will never be happy. So these are the three books. Four agreements. Every administrator, you have to read this. Listen to me. 30 years in the business. You have to read this. Don't worry about the first part, which is uh, if you're atheist and you don't believe in, in a spiritual being, that's fine. Just go to the four agreements. Casca, historical fiction. This is 2023 in 1987 when I read yes. it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I am so impressed, uh, Josh. <clears throat> um, uh, let's uh, take a, a quick uh, break to uh, be grateful for the Teach Better community. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, 
Better Tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. I I love when uh, principals share what they read uh, because people think that we are only reading about evaluations and data and stuff like that, and there's so much more. So let me ask you, who is or who are your biggest influences? Okay, I'm going to take this two-prong, and I know that we're getting starting to get pressed for time, but I'm going to give them their due credit but not elaborate too much. There's two spheres, the sphere of Josh, the educator, and then there's the sphere of Josh right now who is always listening to others to become a better version of themselves, okay? So the very first one, obviously, my mom and my dad. I did not have a very good relationship with my mom and my dad. It is what it is. You know, I don't look, you cannot judge 2023 with 1970. You can't. If you do that, you're a fool. That's not the way history works. Well, my parents had a lot of deficiencies, but you know what? They had the best thing. They taught me how to, what hard work is to never demand, uh, depend on anybody else to fight. My parents, my dad was earning Mexican pesos during the devaluation in 1970, paying an American mortgage. Tell me that that's not hardworking. And if you don't know what I just said, then you really cannot connect with that message of what it is to work hard. My grandma used to clean uh, hotel rooms in Ridoso, New Mexico, and she would clean all the filth. That's why whenever I do a, a hotel room, I always leave it clean. I always stack my sheets together, my towels together. I clean the sink. I put all the garbage by the door. Because you know what? That was my grandma. And she would show me rooms where they would throw up. They would leave garbage food all over. That's not fair. You know what? Someone's grandma's in there. So I need to do my part to make sure I make it easier on that horrible job. And my mom, my mom, she's just, my mom, my mom is such a badass, pardon me, I know. But you know what? She was a single woman. She paid her house off in 14 years. She got very ill. She ended up being a vegetable because of bleeding in the brain. I took care of her for her last six years of her life, but she had paid off her house and she had earned enough to where she never required any financial resources, truly. Those are awesome parents right there because they showed you that they kept working hard. The other people that have influenced me as a teacher that reached me to the second group of people is Miss Millie Williams. I love her. She made me and pushed me to become an administrator. 10 years as a teacher, 21 as an administrator, 21 of those thanks to Miller Williams. Mr. Lorenzo Mata, know your politics, right? Mr. Lorenzo Mata was a powerful administrator in, the, in El Paso. And so he's the one that started, hey, Josh, I like what you do. Talk to this person. Talk to this person. Talk to this person. He will talk me up. There's two types of people out there. The people that support you and the people that promote you. I don't know if you know this, Efrain. If they support you, They're the ones that will write a nice recommendation letter for you. But they will not promote you. They will not say, hey, if I become this, you're this. You're this. You're this. If they support you, they won't speak ill of you. If they promote you, they're the type of person that will go publicly and say, this is my assistant principal. They're awesome. They're, they're sliced bread. So you got to find the people that promote you also. Not just the ones that support you, but promote you. There's two types. But if you hang your help only on one, you're not going to get all the way. And, and Lorenzo was the one that um, that pushed me along. Michael Levas, he was he was friends with Lorenzo, who was the principal at Eastwood High School. 
he was the assistant principal there. And we carpooled back and forth to the best university in the state of Texas, Ross State University. And um, we went together. We traveled for years. And so we encouraged each other along to become administrators. And along the way, he was an awesome, he still is an awesome coach. He's the type of coach that connected with kids so much that we might be eating at Bennigan's and grown men will come to him and say, hey, are you Mr. Olivas? Hey, are you Coach Olivas? Yeah. Yeah, you were my coach and I love you. Bro, bro, why would you not want to hang around with someone like that? You know what I mean? That the kids will walk on fire for. Lynn Muscle was a person that I appreciate. She was the one that believed in me to where she opened up my first assistant principal job at Eastwood Heights Elementary. Lynn, I appreciate you because you were the first one to open the door for me as an administrator at an exemplary school. It was a great experience learning from all those uh, all those teachers, all those, that community. It was great. Carmen Croce. Now, remember that earlier conversation about me not being light? Yeah. About me being put in uh, the supervisor for transportation? People always see what you're doing. People know hard workers. Carmen believed in me. Carmen was the principal in the high school. When I got placed in transportation, a lot of people were like, oh, ooh. man, if that happened to him, it could happen to me, right? Well, Carmen was the one that believed in me. I was blackballed in that district. I was never going to become a principal there. I was never given an opportunity to apply ever again. So I made myself, I put myself in that mentality saying, you know what? I'm never going to become a, a principal. I'm going to be an assistant principal for years because of politics. And so I had too much trajectory there, right? So I was kind of like an abused person. I, you know, I was a you know, Stockholm syndrome or whatever they call it, you know? Yeah. But then she called me and she, you know, Carmen believed in me and said, hey, you know what? We're going to have an opening in the neighboring district. Do you want to apply for this? It's the worst school, the most disciplined problems, the worst graduation rate. She gave me everything. She wasn't lying to me. She wasn't faking the funk. But I think that you could help us out there. She opened the door for me to become a principal at that school. So I love you for that, Carmen. All these people, I love you. Um, Susanna Russell, one of my current bosses, believes in me, always pushes in me. She tells me the way it is, and I love it. We love consistency. Yes or no, Efrain? We love our bosses to not be hiding emotions. Don't be... Oh, one moment nice to me, the other moment you're emo. No, kids like that, teachers like that. Just be consistent with your actions. And I love Susanna Russell because she's the one that is always consistent. My current boss, my current superintendent, we coached against each other in middle school. You know, I've known him. That guy, he's, he's on point, all right? I know he's my boss, but you know what? I know him. He's a great leader. He's gone from an uh, awesome high school when he was my he was my assistant principal in the middle school I was a teacher at that was a mm. national blue ribbon school. This guy's cut from a great cloth, great coach, instructor, you know, in his classroom instruction. Awesome. Now he's a superintendent. Love that guy. Great job. Now he's turning around this district over here, changing it with a new vision, new ideas. Love him. Adrian Bustillos is a guy I connected with in El Paso. This guy has moved on. He's in Aldean ISD in Houston. He's bringing new technology, new ideas everywhere. So you learn from people like that. He goes to conferences, you know, and you interact with him. And whenever there's an opportunity, he's like, hey, Josh, you want to think about this? You want to think about that? 
that's someone that what promotes you. Mm -hmm. um, Cindy Retana and pa uh, Patricia Cuevas, they were my mentors as high school, as a high school principal. So whenever I needed something, I would text them. I go, hey, what is this? Because you know a jargon. If you're in one district for 27 years, right? And then you go to another district, they have the same general jargon, but each district has their own terms, their own titles. So here I knew everything in one district. And in the other district, I'm like, who is this? I don't know anybody here. What's going to? So they mentored me on that. Now that I've become an administrator and now going into the realm that you're in, Efrain, in other words, connecting with other educators or, or across the country, obviously the top person that has influenced me is Principal Baruti Tafele. I've known him since 2014. You know, uh, we're part of the Fantastic Four. Join us today. Fantastic Four starting at 10 a.m. Eastern with Sean Hurd, Chica Houston, and then Principal Cafele, and then tomorrow, the flagship show, Unlock the Middle. And so it's a fun, uh, us four. So he's able to unite people from South Carolina, from Michigan, from Texas, from Massachusetts. Great leader. Awesome Principal Cafele. Jimmy Casas, another guy. You know, worked with him a lot. He instills uh, stuff in my head. I always reevaluate the things whenever he presents it. And all this is through podcasts. Hey, administrator, if you're not on Twitter, you're still behind the times. You're still buying your pants at Mervyn's, and you're still renting your movies at Blockbuster. So put down the VHS tape. Get on the Bluebird. It's not about you. It's about learning from the best like Jimmy Casas. Lainey Rao, it's all about gratitude. Whenever I need that precious moment, I go to her podcast. Lainey Rao is on fire. She spreads just love. If you need a moment for that, pop in there, 32 minutes, 40 minutes. She'll fill you up with other people's positivity. Barbara Bray, always asking you what your why is. What's your why, Efrain? We're not going to switch the tables, but I want to I wanna know about that later on. What's your why? And she does that. Chica Houston, part of the Fantastic Four. I'm, I'm glad learning from her. Things are going in South Carolina. Ryan Scott, part of the Teach Better team. Ryan Scott, if you don't know him, make sure you reach out to him. That guy has a coda right there. Big coda song, all about kids. Uh, Martin Silverman, he is the veterano, the veteran. He has a podcast known as The Second Question. You should talk to him. He's a great guy. Mm. He just retired. After 40 years, 40 years, you got to love that tenure, you know, that longevity. AC Cristales, he was a guy that is a motivational speaker. I ran into him at TASA, which is the state version of NASSP. Great guy, great heart, always pushing. Darren Peppard, former superintendent. Now he's on the road to awesome. Road to awesome. Make sure you follow him because he brings in leaders and leaders. And I learn from them. I learn from what their experiences are. It's all about that learning. Keep Schubert, he is, I think I connect a lot with him because he talks to you about his alcoholism. He talks to you about how he lost his daughter for three years because of his alcoholism. He talks to you about being a fabulous coach and how he used his experiences and his pain of the past to unite young men, student athletes. You, because you know what? Efrain, you know this. Being in charge of a school, every single last individual there has a story, the adults. They all go through their positives and they all go through their negatives. You've had to deal with teachers breaking down in your office because of something that happens at home. You know that. We all see it. We're all human, guys. We're all humans. And we all need to make sure that we use that energy of the pain of the past to make us a better version of ourselves. But most importantly, to use it to connect with our kids. 
depending on the age level, obviously, and how you connect with him. Craig Boykin, this guy was a dropout. His mom did drugs. He saw his mom get beat up by boyfriends. He was a GED, and now he's a PhD. Tell me you do not want to learn from a guy like that. Tell me someone that tells you about his stories in the hood, drug, everything around him, and now he's a self-published author, many books, teaching. Now he's teaching at Ivy League schools, working PD. Tell me you don't want to learn from a guy like that. Tell me that's not fire. And the last guy that allowed myself to look at things 100% through instruction, Sean King. Sean King, fundamental five, five easy strategies. With his help, look at Ryan, a school of 2,550 kids, an 81% graduation rate, tons of discipline issues, fights in the hallway, kids never going to class, what you see in Hollywood, right? Yeah. You had that situation. When I, when I walked in there, the superintendent, Dr. Espinosa, was a valued man. I love him. He gave me the keys. To run that school, and in three years, the faculty and staff of that school turned it around from ugly comments. Because I read them in my first year, I read the two-year climate survey, and they wrote some horrible thing, things about kids. And in two years, that staff believed in those kids, and they believed in each other. They went from a D minus to a B minus. Every single last year, we have three ways of uh, gauging student success on the test, approaches, meets, and masters. All three years, we went up in every category. Because I don't know if, about Illinois, but the objective is to one year's growth on the yeah. assessment. One mm -hmm. year's growth. All three years, we grew in everything except in biology. One year, we were par. We never went down. Graduation rate went up eight points, almost at 90% in three years. Si se puede, if you believe in each other and if you believe in kids, and it all starts and ends. Our Rick Lopez, the superintendent here, says, and I love that he says this. Great job, Rick. When you, when you said this, you taught me something. The best give a superintendent could give a school is a great principal. The best gift I, as a principal, can give team members is professional development so that they could engage the kids bell to bell. Ephraim, when do we have discipline problems when there's nothing going on? Yes or no? Amen. When do we have discipline problems when we give the kids free time without structure? When do we have time? When do we have problems with kids? When the teacher's an ogre and not on top of their A game, right? Our job yes. is to teach them SEL. Our job is to teach them pedagogy. They might not use that one tool, but if you teach them a, a different PD with a different way of Doing it, they might engage the kid bell to bell. Yes, bell to bell. Yes, loving the kids. And Sean Kane is a person that helped us. Because prior to me arriving there, there were two principals running that school. That was That's how, I, I'm not using the term in a derogatory way, but the condition was bad. You had two principals in one high school. Mm. And so Sean, Sean's telling me, Josh, you, you have some big things to deal with. But he believed in me, just like Carmen believed in me, just like Dr. Espinosa believed in me. And that school was turned around. Never once did we complain. Never once did we say there's issues here. Because you know what? I prayed for the second interview. I knew I was going into the lowest high school in the district. I prayed to go there and become a principal 
because I was never going to get a chance in my previous school. I wanted that job. So if you want that job, you can't complain because you applied for it. The superintendent didn't go to the street, duct taped you in the chair and said, you're the new principal. You're the new assistant principal. So don't complain that you have to go to cold soccer practice. Don't complain you have to go listen to kindergarten choir. Don't complain you have to go see a varsity team at a different city because you chose leadership. You chose that chair. This is a master class. Josh, uh, I am uh, going to transition to a new position in a new district uh, in the fall. What advice do you have for people who are going to switch from one district to another, from principal being one district to principal in being another district? Bend the knee and ask questions left and right. Ben, ask. Ask. I always... Look, I went from one district to another one, right? I didn't know that. Then I left one city to this one. And this is the type of district that people are always here. Does that make sense? They're part of this beautiful community. So they never leave. <clears throat> so here you got this El Paso coming in here. I don't know anybody. I don't know what the words are. I don't know what, the, what the, your version of this means. So I always ask. I, I go to my colleague and I go, hey, I don't know. I'm a caveman. Educate this caveman. I'm straight out. I rather ask questions than look stupid. And that's what a lot of the administrators do is that because, oh, I've been an administrator for 20 years. Yeah, but you're still screwing up, bro. Ask questions. Get the help. We're, if we tell that to kids that are at risk, if we tell kids that have problems, ask questions so I could help you. Why is that different for you, teacher? Why is that different for you, administrator? Ask questions. I don't know where I come from. This is what we do. What do you guys do here? I always say that. Oh, well, over here we do this, this. Okay, because every district has their forms. Every district board policy has their own issues on how to address stuff. Some districts don't allow cell phones. Some districts allow cell phones. Some people charge the kids a fine for them. You got to know what's up. And you always go there by making sure that you say, ¿Qué pasa aquí? What's happening here? Bend the knee. You don't know it all. You know what I've learned, Efrain, <clears throat> in 31 years? Mm -hmm. The longer I've been in this job, the less I know. Amen. Amen. What a great advice. Uh, Judge, what have you learned about uh, podcasting and uh, the world of connecting with individuals? Educators are awesome. We rock. We're in the best profession, the profession that creates all the other professions, and we want the best for each other. More often than not, <clears throat> I would say 98% of the people that you reach out to will reach back. The only vague or gray area are the ones that are not on social media, the ones that don't do podcasts. Then, then we're, we're seen as something like, oh, I, I don't know. I'm not into that. But that's okay. It's your job to move them along and embed information, drop the seed, plant the seed so that it can germinate and they take part of this. Because the little bluebird, I, look, I don't care about politics. The bluebird has a lot of knowledge. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Bend the knee, get help from the little blue bird, from Facebook, from Instagram. There's tons of information out there from LinkedIn. So this has been a great for, uh, journey. We, uh, I've had the honor, thanks to Chris and Dean of Unlock the Middle. I didn't create this. This is not my show. I support them in their vision. I'm there. You always see my face and my, my cranky, high-pitched voice. But you know what? Ultimately, it's what we bring to the table. 
because maybe, maybe that one administrator in Oregon needed to hear what I said. Maybe when we brought this guy, oh yeah, this guy, when he was on the show with us, they needed to hear him in Iowa. We don't know. Just like kids. You remember when you were a student at Irene? One mm -hmm. teacher's issue clicked two years later. You remember what they told you? You're like, ah, that clicking happens for all of us because we're human and it happens across the board. So Unlock the Middle is a great show. So I invite all of you, educator, teacher, aide, assistant principal, principal, area soup, director, reach out to me. You see my, right, right here. You see right, right, right there, my big fat fingers right there, right there. Reach out. We're, we're already booked all the way to July. I just haven't had time to keep on booking until next year. And we're already booked. We want you. We need you. We need you and your knowledge so that other people that are out there, you know, how many alternative certification people are out there? Tons. How many people are just becoming administrators that shouldn't be, but there's such a gap of exodus that they need that education. They need that knowledge from seasoned people like me, old farts like me, or like Dean. He doesn't like that I call him seasoned. <laughs> like us educated. We need to bring that. So reach out. Join us at Unlock the Middle. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter you have one year. That is a lot of knowledge. When you're one year somewhere, you have a lot of knowledge of not knowing. You don't want other people to go through that. Does that make sense? Yes. If you've got 30 years, you got a lot of knowledge for that first year person. So join us at Unlock the Middle. Reach out to us at either Unlock the Middle or MPA underscore Go Jaguars. LinkedIn, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram. I got all those right there. Awesome. Reach out. I'm there for you. I love that you said uh, one year of not knowing. Uh, uh, and that is a lot of experience. Uh, so let's talk about productivity. As you know, being successful includes being on top of our productivity. But this means different things for different people. How do you get organized as a principal to ensure that you can do everything that you do? You, you, have you noticed that I'm honest? I see it. If I, I I'm a mess. It. I'm a mess, bro. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I could turn. You, I don't know if you know Fonz. He's part of, uh, he has his podcast and he showed me all these beautiful lights because Barbara Bray, she interviewed me and she goes, I can't hear you and I can't see you. So I asked him, so he gave me a whole setup here and it's bad for a caveman like me. All right. <laughs> if you see my desk here, this is where I write cards for kids and their birthday cards. And I do all this stuff. Check it out on our social media. It's a mess. If you go into my office, look, I'm not taking glee. I know I have to address this issue. But my brain thinks different things. I got to get this done for right now to satisfy that voice in there. I got to get this satisfied at this moment. I'm horrible at email. I can't just sit down there because I got to be out. And sometimes those emails just drown us. I don't know about you, Ephraim, in Illinois. But they just drown you because you go, okay, who sent me this email? Well, how do I need to address this? Do I have the capacity or to do it right now at this moment? No, I'll save it. And then I forget about that email. And that was due later on. Does that make sense? Yes. And then the joy, but most important, your number one job should be that you're always in the hallways and in the classroom. That's when you know whether or not your vision is being established. Inspect what you expect. Inspect what you expect. And you can't do that from your desk. And then, I, again, I take no glee. I know it's a problem. It's an issue for me. But I know my piles on my desk. I know what my piles are. Doesn't look nice, 
but I know that if I need <clears throat> to give a certificate to a kid, I know it's in that pile. I know that if I wrote a memo to somebody, I know it's in this pile. I know it's in this drawer. So one of my Achilles heels always has been um, organization. I get everything done, no issues, but it doesn't aesthetically look pleasing. Mm. And what took away a lot, and I'm just saying, it, it is what it is. I like spending way more time now with my family than at work. The reason I left my previous campus, which was a 6A school, and I moved my whole family to Dallas, 10 and a half hours, was because I was raising someone else's kid. That school was made successful, not by me. I just brought an idea to the table. Everyone hovered around it and make it, made it come to life. But I was living a seven-day work week. Every day at that high school to try to help it turn around, I needed to be visible everywhere. Easy, 15-hour days every single last day. Sundays, <clears throat> you still had some practices. You still had some events. <clears throat> Pardon me. But you're still there. I was raising other kids' families. I was going to their houses. I was having dinner at their homes. I was visiting with awards. I was doing all this stuff, but I failed to see my first two kids. So there was a time that I needed to stop, and then the Lord gave me my three-year-old. He gave me my baby, and he said, you better see this one come up. So right now, all that time I used to spend in my office after work to make organization is out the window. Now it's piles and more piles because I, want, I prefer to spend time with my family. And I tell this to our team members always, help. Family first. Hey, Mr. Tobad, I, I got to leave. I got to leave. I got a disappointment. Go. Hey, I got my, my, my son. Go. Anything that when your sentence starts real quick with my son or I feel ill, I, my, my next word is go. Take care of your shell. If you don't take care of your shell, you're not going to be 100% in the classroom. And teachers need 100% of you every single last day, especially right now. This gap that we have after staying at home for two years, that gap is going to be with us for a couple of generations. Yeah. Wow. What a great lesson uh, you have shared um, of health and family. Uh, let me ask you, what advice do you have for school principals visiting classrooms? How does that actually look like? Uh, do you sit down, take notes and talk to the teachers in the emails? Um, what is the what is the correct way or not the correct way? Uh, what way do you do it, uh, and uh, what lessons should we learn? There's two. There's twofold. Number one, drive-bys. Drive-bys are great. Okay, um, if you follow us on social media, you see that there's there are rituals and routines at our campus that we always do something on a Monday. We always do something on a Wednesday. We always do something on a Friday, and it's by me doing little things for our team members. And I just go in and inspect what's going on in the room just to see how the wind is going. Check the climate of the campus, especially on a Monday. You got to know what happened on Sunday. You got to know what's out there. <clears throat> Mondays are crucial for all us, for us to be out in the hallway. But myself in Texas, the way that I was educated by the best university, so roughly university um, in Alpine, Texas, was that you script whenever it's a formal walkthrough. You script everything. And I also learned from a program when I was at Valley View in the early 90s, it was called TASA. It never came to light. They tried to do an alternate assessment of teachers. It didn't come to light. But what you do is you create 
a quick proximity chart of the classroom and you put where the kids are seated and you put like a little circle where each kid is and then you follow the teacher where they walk and wherever they stop you do like a little bolita a little bu bubble mm -hmm. and you stop and you talk to that kid and then you give them a visual representation are you really with all the kids or are you just in a safety area so i mm -hmm. draw them wherever they stop i'm still scripting everything but i take a time to follow them where they stand and so when i show them that they're like you see these kids over here during those 10 minutes you never address them just keep keep that as food for thought <clears throat> and then i type it out and everything is Alpha and Omega Fundamental 5. Do you have a lesson frame that day? Does it have the we will and the I will? How are you going to check for understanding? Are you going to speak it? Or are you going to write it? The last five minutes, the most important part of the lesson is the last five minutes where you as an educator, you check that you did a great job, check for understanding, whether that lesson on mitosis and meiosis, the Great Depression, did they learn what you were chunking that day? During the class, you're in the power zone that you make sure that you're engaging the kids, not just walking around for proximity, that's discipline, but that you're checking for understanding that you use, recognize, and reinforce. Efrain, I love the way you said that about the Great Depression. That reminded me of me not having food that one day. You tell them why, why that was a good answer. Recognize and reinforce because then that encourages more kids to participate, especially the kids that know it, but they're too cool. I'm too cool to say an answer. I'm too cool. Writing. You and I know this, and college professors will tell you this. Writing is a lost art. Kids don't know how to write, and what we do teach them is offer a state exam. The free thought, thought process is to make sure that we, during that, is that we show them how to write. Mm -hmm. Make sure we eloquently do a productive way for whatever that is. Obviously, a kid from Afghanistan that was oppressed by the Taliban is not going to write at the same level as a kid who's always been in America. It's all relevant to what mastery is. <clears throat> so you take these items, you take this fundamental five, you show them where they're at, and it's like a Polaroid. I know half of you don't know what a Polaroid is. Research it. They were pretty cool in the 80s. Polaroids, pretty cool stuff, all right? And it's a Polaroid in time, and that way you could have meaningful conversations. Because if you don't, uh, and, and then at the end, we have a little baseball card. And if we see one of the five, fundamental five, we put a happy smile. Boom. You had your lesson frame, and it was connected to the lesson. Boom. You were in the power zone. So however many smiley faces, that's what you did during those 10 minutes. So it's immediate feedback when we leave the room. It's immediate mm. feedback. It's tangible feedback. And then when we give them our notes, we give two glows and two grows more often than not. It depends on each lesson, obviously. But on an average, we give two glows and two grows of what we saw during those 10 minutes. So that's what we do in our home. Beautiful. Great advice. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, tell me, um, what is the the way the the per, perhaps one of the most challenging things for principals is how to give um commendation and recommendations in a way that will make the teacher compelled to want to do it rather than to getting offended um what advice do you have for them mm, i'm bending the knee break it break, break down that question again 
So um, when I started as a, as a principal, it was very tough for me to give feedback in a way that will not offend the teacher that I was trying to guide. And okay. it, it takes time, right? Yeah. Like, what advice do you have? Look, that was my fear, Doc. I was a 30-something-year-old assistant principal, young kid. Oh, my God, I can't believe that old. I was a young kid, fresh out of the best university in the state of Texas, or also university. And I was walking into, thanks to Lynn Muscle, into a school that was functioning. It was exemplary. It was at the top of its game. Who am I? And, you know, at a bunch of seasoned teachers, bunch of seasoned teachers, right? Who am I out of college to tell all these seasoned teachers what the hell they're doing right or what they're doing wrong? They look at me like, little boy, please. That was a great experience for me, right? So this is what I've learned, Ephraim. Just the facts. Just the facts. It's that simple. Nothing is, I believe this, uh, this was a great something, just the facts. Anytime that you embed emotion, then people talk. Doc, yes or no, they talk. You give your information, they're going to share what you write. We have, my, again, look, I'm not speaking it over the map. My first principal, Victor Montes, that honored me with becoming a teacher. He will write the same messages to every teacher. And it became a joke that during lunchtime, they would compare evaluations. And it was literally the same stuff. Word for word, verbatim. Okay? That was his style. That's him. You do you, boo. But I learned great there. <clears throat> and then there was this other assistant principal that I had. That was, this was a phenomenal boom, boom. And this was great. And uh, okay, yeah, okay. But when you wouldn't write that for somebody else that felt that they were in the bad side of politics on the campus, you see, they hate me. You, and that destroys climate and culture. That destroys climate and culture. So if you're very glowing and loving and you're not equal with everybody, with everything, if you give out one pencil, you better give everybody a pencil. If you give out one rose, you better give everybody a rose. Because that's what destroys climate and culture. So on your statements, it has to be facts. It can be observed that 90% of the students were engaged. And it could be observed that the teacher was facilitating boom, boom, boom. Just academic talk. See, on the globe, it, uh, you, it could be observed during this 10 minutes that the teacher was in the power zone. Boom, just a fact. And then idea. This is what I write. Idea. You might look at embedding a Freyer model for these vocabulary terms because students were their students body language was flat so you part of your uh, part of your um uh, grow mm -hmm. is to give the how to because then you have those uh weeby people do you know who the weebies are no you've never met the weebies you know yeah. the weebies doc i, I know probably, you know i probably weebies. know them but i don't you know, know the acronym the weebies are the people in your school that we be here before you, we be here <laughs> after you. All right? Those are the weebies. And those are the people that it, they will never buy what you're selling. It's going to take extra. Some people call them the vanguards. They are the extra, extra people that really, 
really are hard to convince to drink the Kool-Aid. Does that make sense? Whatever your vision mm -hmm. is. So if you're not consistent with those messages, the weebies will destroy you. And they will say, look, you see, during conference, I told you, he only likes his favorites. He only likes his favorites. And that's that undercurrent that Jimmy Casas talks about. Then that becomes an undercurrent. So just be factual with what you're seeing. Be factual what you're writing down. Don't over, over. Don't be over, over. Because if you're over, over, you're killing yourself. Just be just the facts. What a great advice. Um, focus on the facts uh, when giving feedback. Thank you so much. Um, Josh, um, as we are winding down uh, for the podcast, uh, one of the most important components to longevity is our exercise. I see that you're, you tweet about going to the gym and stuff like that. Can you tell us about your experience exercising? Uh, uh, what, what do you do? What's your routine? And what advice do you have for us? Hi, Efrain. This is the fat guy's battle, brother. Let me tell you. <laughs> look, guys. Look, I, I am not. I don't have no six pack. I got a barrel. Look, look at these cheeks. Look at these cheeks right here. All right. Look, I'm an eater. My, but I quit, I pack on size quick. I pack on muscle quick. But because of that, I pack on the fat cells real quick. My body's an ectomorph, all right? You got to research this stuff. You choose to be ignorant about your body. There's too many resources out there not to worry about it. I know that the chair that I sit in, you, you, my friend, the chair you sit in, it drains your spirit from the cushion. It drains your soul with all the noise, all the toxicity that surrounds you. Because when you're an administrator, more often than not, you're eating bowls of nonsense. All right? And so if you don't take care of this right here, your mental brain, stress, all your calmness, then it's going to really eat you up. Because you've seen some, hey, hey, educator, have you met that principal you started and three years later they look a thousand years old? That's that chair. <laughs> it drains your life force. All right? So the only thing I could present to you is this. For since I started teaching, I've gone four to five times per week to the gym. I take like around 40-something supplements for decades. I take everything out there. During Rona, I only got sick one time and for one day. And I had to go to Florida to get Rona. I didn't get it in Texas. So DeSantis gave me a gift leaving Florida, all right? <laughs> gave me Rona. Here, as you're leaving on the airplane, here, take some Rona with you. We got plenty. We'll share with Texas. I don't get sick, Efrain. I don't. I always zinc up. I always vitamin C, CoQ10, fish oils, yeast for my heart, for my blood pressure. I don't have high blood pressure. I've never had that. I take my supplements. I'm at the gym. I wake up at 3.30. If I snooze it, I'm in trouble. I get out of bed. By 4 o'clock, I'm drinking my supplements. During that time, I'm listening to podcasts. During that time, I get to the gym by 4.15, 4.20, depending on how lethargic I am. I'm over 50, baby, and I'm still doing it. It's not easy. I get to the gym, 50-minute workout, one-hour workout. If I'm doing cardio, for sure it's an hour. But I'm getting those things. Also, I get inspired, and it gets me going, by beautiful educators like Chica Houston, Craig Boykin, Sean Gaillard, all these other educators that are always posting it out there. Superintendent Sandra, oh, I love her. She's from California. She's always on fire. Sandra Joe? Huh? Yes. Yeah, yeah. She was in Wisdom and Productivity too. There, there you go. 
they're all awesome, right? So ultimately, you got to take care of your shell. I do weight resistance. I try to do cardio, but I'm so lazy. And I again, I'm honest. It's hard, so I only do cardio two days. But what I've been able to compensate lately, the last two years, is this. I bought this, but I, it's a watch. I bought is, this, but I, I don't want. I don't, I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm a dummy. It, my wife bought it for me. <laughs> I don't know. So I, for for those only listening, he's oh, okay. showing me a watch. Okay. <laughs> the only reason I have this is not to tell time because I use the phone to check my time. I'm I'm such an addict on that. But I do it for my step count. The goal mm -hmm. every day is 10K. So we're part of this 10K club with Otis from Florida. Mm -hmm. Otis Kitchens, another guy. You see, this is how you connect yourself out there with all these educators doing their – Ansel, uh, he's, he does a great job in, in Texas. He's always posting in the morning. So you get John Flores in El Paso in Socorro District. All these guys are posting it out there. Success breeds success. But ultimately, I'll say this, and this is one thing that, again, I learned, out, I think, three weeks ago. Excellence is a habit. Excellence is a habit. So you got to keep on doing what you're doing. It's about creating those patterns of behavior. If you don't create those patterns of behavior, then you're going to, you cannot just start and expect it to happen. If I, you just can't start and say, oh, I started working out two weeks. I'm going to get results. Oh, I started drinking supplements for two weeks and I'm going to get results. No, it's about long. It's about years of doing it. And then you automatically wake up. Your body tells you, hey, fat guy, let's go, bro. It's time to go to the gym. Hey, vamonos, andale. And then sometimes you do feel bad that you didn't do your five times per week. You do feel bad. It's not overnight, and it gets harder the older that you get. I'm over 50. It's very difficult. I have a three-year-old. That's why I got to keep on going. So I got to make sure that this shell right here stays at its best, quote-unquote, at its best, to make sure that I have an extra day with my son when he's older. My blood work walks in. My blood work has always been great. They've never told me that I have high cholesterol. They never told me that I have um, high blood pressure. Everything is on point. And you know what? Aesthetically, I am not that pleasing, but the shell is running okay. All right? I'm not Brad Pitt. Um, I want to be anybody other than me. And I ultimately need to have one extra day in my life to be with my son. Because let me tell you, you know who your worst enemy is, Efrain? You know who the worst who enemy it? is? Who is it? Your body. It never tells you when it's going to stab you in the back. It never tells you that this one is going to be the one that's going to take you down. That happened to my mom. Going to a conference in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hardworking woman. Always on her A-game. Tough lady. Tough. Eat nails. Driving up to Albuquerque to a conference to be a better version of herself. She had a headache. She ignored it because she's always healthy. She went to go eat lunch, pounding headache. She doesn't take medications. She went to the bathroom and she fainted on the toilet seat. My mom had been bleeding in the brain all that time. They went in to stop it and then she became a vegetable. Because when they operate your brain, you know what happens. Yeah. But you know what kept her alive for six more years? All that hard work that she put in the gym. Because she was... She always wanted her name to be on curbs. It's a gym in Texas. I don't know if it's national. But yeah, yeah. The, the, the most visited for the month, her name was always at there. And that taking care of your shell is what helped her survive. It would have, I'm telling you, it would have killed anybody else. And then she had some other bad situations happen after that. But her shell was so strong because of all her supplements, all her eating right and going to the gym 
that I had an extra day with my mom. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Josh, and my final question then is, um, after the show ends, the curtains are closed, what do you do for fun? Ugh. <laughs> Have you noticed that I talk a lot, but really, when it comes to stuff like this, I don't. You know what? It's sad to say this. Um, my, be with my family a little bit more than I was before. But you know what? It's hard to rewire when you're running a big school to rewire how you do. So other than working out, spending time with my family, <clears throat> having certain, you know, my, my daily to-dos to enhance the climate and the culture of the school, we look for things. That's why I entrust my wife to do this because she's great at it. And sometimes I'm, I grumble, grumble, grumble. I don't want to do that. Grumble. <clears throat> That's just the old dude. But she creates environments for us to go visit different places because she thinks I, she, that's that that's that balance that you need to have with somebody else because I'm very black and white, work, 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 work. I'm not going to rewire that. That's, that's what I saw. That's how I was raised, right? But you need that other brain for the betterment of your family. So she's the one that pushes us to go take family vacations. Other, if not, it wouldn't be for me. It's, I don't initiate that. I just don't have that thought process to create a vacation and environment that way of thinking. So she's great at that. The good thing about being in a big city is that there's a lot of li like little clubs, like little hockey teams, not professional, but there's professional also. So we've had some of the encouragement to go see um, some of the Texas Rangers, some of the hockey clubs. The only thing that really prevents us a lot of times is that we have a three-year-old. You see, we're alone. We, it's only us. And when you have a three-year-old and you really cannot entrust your three-year-old to other people. So when you up and move with your family to a different city, oh my God, you guys better love each other. You better know each other because that can really easily divorce and tear up the family because you don't have grandma to help you. La abuelita's not helping. La, la tia's not helping. You're not leaving the kids behind for mommy and daddy date night. We don't have that. Because we now we look forward to the church. We leave them for parents' night out for three hours to go eat and watch a movie, right? But it's hard when you got a three-year-old. <clears throat> But in the end, anything that is of a fun nature, you know, uh, Bernice does a great job. She creates that environment for us. She pulls me and yaks me like that yak in the middle of the Hindu street. You know, that yak that doesn't want to move yeah, with a big yeah. belly, the big horns. That's me. No, no, no. Um, But in the end, it's what's right for kids. It's what's right for my kids. And that's why we came from El Paso to North Dallas. Beautiful. Uh, Josh, this has been such a wonderful interview. I have learned so much. Uh, truly a masterclass. Any last thoughts for the viewers and listeners of the show? Surround yourself with success, guys. Don't surround anybody that's toxic. Get away from them. If you hear, if you hear anyone gossiping, as teachers to teachers, administrators to administrators, go away. Because once you're not in the good zone, they're going to gossip about you. It happens in our field. Yes or no, friend? Yes or no? Amen. Yep. So stay away from toxicity. You don't need that. You need positivity. Find time for you. Find whatever that time for you is. But don't forget what you chose. You chose the chair. You chose leadership. You chose to sit in that chair 
that people entrust you. And whenever you forget that, go see Simon Sinek's Eaters Eat Last. Go see that video. And it'll remind you. You chose it. People will delegate that fake power. You know that chair comes with fake? It's fake power. Authority and ownership only comes when people give it to you because they believe in you. They trust you. They know that you don't fake the funk. So once people trust in you and believe, call you their leader, then you can en enhance your vision to whatever it is. So please take your job 100% as always as the best job in the profession. Understand that out of engineers, yes, they do beautiful things. Astronauts, Artemis too, going to the moon again, yes, beautiful thing. Yes, creating the light bulb. Yes, being in charge of Google. Yes, all, the, all those are awesome things. They have money. Like we will never have as educators, but you know what, educator, you know what you have that they will never have? That look in the eye of that kid that when you taught them something new, their eyes pop. And they say, oh, that, that is a paycheck that you can't cash in, but your spirit will. When you look your worst, when you look with your natty PJs and you're at the mall with your glasses on with a cap on and you think that you think you're hiding hiding that kid that was a pain in your neck is gonna go up to you and they know what you look like because I'm pretty sure you didn't look great all the time and they're gonna go up to you and they're gonna say hey Mrs. So-and-so is that you Mrs. So-and-so and you're like, oh, hide me. Yes, you are my teacher. And I love when you said this. Pop. You never saw the eyes, but spiritually you connected with that kid. That is a paycheck. You will never, ever be able to catch him other than in your spirit. Doing the best profession, the profession that creates all the other professions, education. Uh, Josh, it has been a pleasure uh, interviewing you. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. No, good. Muchas gracias. Thank you for listening to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Epaim Martinez. Chulu. And I love that production. Chulu out.